Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to episode 12 of the Morning Round Trip Podcast, our last podcast before we have actual games to preview and cover. So that's that's a little bit exciting. We're here on July 22nd. It's Drew Frank joined by Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. And today we've got a news update, but as I said, tomorrow is officially opening day, so we've got a lot to look forward to. Today we also have quite a few stories though, so let's dive right into that. First one is Gavin Lux being optioned to the Los Angeles Dodgers alternate sites. A lot of the people had him as their starting second baseman, myself included. A lot of the people had him as their NL Rookie of the Year projection, myself included. Now from the Dodger perspective, you can see where they're coming from because they've got Chris Taylor and Kike Hernandez who can cover second base and really do that job quite well. Both of them are probably starters on most teams around the league, so no problem platooning them there. Luck showed up to camp late, bobbled a few balls at second base, and as a result, has been sent down. Do you think that, just purely baseball-wise, he should be on the roster? Or do you think there's a little, maybe, contract manipulation in play here? To me, this smells like a Chris Bryant situation with the Cubs in his first season. Uh, You have a star guy who is definitely going to make an impact at the major league level. There's no question about it. But as things happen, and as you said, Lux misplays a few balls at second base, that's all the management needs to justify not having him on the roster when things get going. And unfortunately for Lux, that means he's put in a position where he's going to be reporting to uh, the Dodgers alternate site at the University of Southern California. Now, Chris Taylor and Kike Hernandez, uh, both utility guys who have shown that they can play um, in the infield and the outfield. But I think Lux is definitely a better second baseman, pure second baseman over both of those guys. And he might actually provide more on the offense as well if he can hit a stride this season. So uh, personally, I think that the Dodgers here don't see a point in burning a year of service time for Gavin Lux if they really don't need him, and they're going to save him for most likely next season. Uh, And I think he's going to come out angry about not being able to play this year with the big league club, and I think he's going to be a guy to watch out for for Rookie of the Year next year, not this year, though. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule him out still. Um because if either of those two guys go down, you've got to figure he gets the call up. Oh yeah, for sure. And this year's tricky because playing any game at all, one single game counts as a full year of service time because of just one of the stipulations the players agreed to. So, I'm not sure how the Dodgers will handle it, but for opening day, he won't be at second base. So, pretty important note there, but Based on what we've seen this team do uh, <laughs> so far in the don't, exhibition game. Don't think games. he's necessary. Don't think he's necessary. <laughs> yeah, yesterday was a bit of an outlier. We didn't see them score until the second inning. I was worried. Depraved, I was thinking, man. what's happening with this offense? But yeah, they should be okay without him. But too bad for Gavin Lux, as we said, rookie of the year candidate. But we'll see. He could be up in as, as short as a week, depending on how things go. Dodgers also made news by signing lefty reliever Jake McGee to their roster. And, I mean, why not? Another guy like Blake Trinan that they were able to grab in free agency who has had better years, had a few rocky years. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, Sorry, I, I, I did mean to, I promise. That's I a lie. To. <laughs> why are you lying to me? But regardless, he joins their pen. And I'm a fan just because 
a lot of people could say that lefty relievers won't matter as much with the three batter minimum, but this bullpen doesn't have too many experienced lefties, and I do like the signing. I think there's really not much to complain about here. And another story we've got to cover today is coming out of Kansas City, where we saw a few Astros getting hits. We saw Bregman, Springer, and Altuve all getting hit in the same game, but I don't think any of them looked too intentional. I don't think there's much to look at there. But the big story that we have to look at is that Altuve came out from that game hurt. He had a collision at home plate where he went in standing up, and he definitely should have or needed to slide. But since he went in standing up, there was a collision with the catcher a little bit. He jammed his leg, and he's day-to-day right now with a left leg contusion. Don't know how long he'll be out per se. Don't know if he'll be ready for opening day on Friday. But for now at least, he's he's hurt. And his new manager, Dusty Baker, had this to say after the game. He said, he should have slid number one. Somebody should have directed him to slide two. But we addressed the situation. This is training camp, and after you play a bit, these things are second nature. I don't really know what to make out of this. It seems like a pretty typical Dusty Baker response, but I don't know why he just didn't slide. <laughs> you know Listen, I mean? Yeah, no, um, a former MVP. He's not six years old, and he's not hitting off a tee. So I'm not sure why Jose Altuve didn't decide to slide making his way into home plate when he was tagging up. For me, Dusty Baker doesn't need to come out and say this. Yeah. I don't think there's a take here regardless, and... I don't know if you're if if you think you're standing up for your player by doing this and saying, "Oh, well, it's spring training and we need to make sure guys are ready to go for the season." This should be inherent second nature. This shouldn't even be a question. Uh and honestly, if I'm Astros management, I think this irks me a little bit because like you are putting yourself in jeopardy during a game that doesn't matter and you're putting yourself in the position to hurt the team when the season actually gets going which is, you know, in a couple of days for, yeah, for the same. Astros. So it's like, what is your thought process in non-sliding and you end up with a contusion in your leg? So, I, I mean, he's fine, which, you know, all things considered is good. It's not a tear of any kind. It's not a break of any kind, but it definitely could have been worse. And I think if you're Jose Altuve, you're sort of standing there looking in the mirror and asking yourself, why didn't I slide? I'm not sure what he was thinking, but luckily he came away pretty unscathed, so not exactly a huge issue if you're the Houston Astros. Yeah, that was that was the part that I found weird. It was the, the statement after, like, this is a team problem. Someone should have directed them to slide. I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is necessarily anything like that. It just... Just just a weird bit of baseball. You, you'd think that was just a routine play, but managed to get away from them. So either way, Altuve, questionable for opening day. Now, we finally have an answer for where the Jays will play their games, and it is indeed going to be at PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's been confirmed, and we've covered this topic pretty extensively in the past, so I, I don't think we really have to dive in too deep here, but the big takeaways I'll be looking for are... What's the off-day situation going to look like? Will they have enough facilities when they're both in town? What's going to happen when they both have games scheduled on the same day? There are seven games of conflict where they're supposed to be playing both at home, quote-unquote. So we'll see what they do with that. And finally, I want to see if there's going to be any problems with the travel. Because they were trying to section the 
East teams off from the Central teams, and now they'll have two divisions playing out of that park. I don't know if that's going to cause any problems or, or what that'll mean, but those are kind of the three things that I want to keep an eye on with this story. Pittsburgh's definitely uh, an East Coast. It's almost an East Coast team, but uh, not, not exactly. But this definitely could have been a little bit stranger if it would have been a team like Kansas City, yeah. where you're still in the Central, but you're you're way, way farther away than you would be if you're Pittsburgh. I don't think it causes a massive logistical nightmare, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see how things play out. I think these have all been weighed by the Blue Jays and the MLB, and I think they must have figured out some sort of contingency plan because I don't think you would move forward otherwise. And I think the Jays got pretty lucky with the two ballparks they were offered because obviously PNC Park, one of the most beautiful parks in baseball. Camden Yards is a little underrated, I find, for just like how nice it is there. You know, you've got the beautiful warehouse when the sun sets on it and the lighting's nice over Camden Yards. It's a nice place to catch a game as well. So, you know, to uh, a decent situation for the Jays to be in between those two parks. We haven't seen a full release from the team yet in terms of what the plan's going to be. So they could maybe have a, a second ballpark as a backup. But for now, we just know that mainly PNC Park will be their home. So if there's any updates there, we will report on it. But now let's move on to a little more fun Blue Jays news because we talked about it yesterday. We were looking forward to seeing Nate Pearson pitch and we got to. We saw him pitch into the fourth inning, and I'll tell you what, his second, third, and fourth looked a whole lot better than his first did, but at the end of the day, he walks away with four and runs on him, five hits allowed, five strikeouts, two walks. Uh, do you have any quick first takes on what you saw there? Like you said, the first inning was uh, definitely a little bit more shaky than his other innings, but the first thing that I take away is that I didn't see any triple digit, and... You know, Nate Pearson, that's the thing. That's the big ticket for him is that he's a he's a big guy who throws hard. And I think he reached 98 once, but that was about it. And as far as I know, we haven't heard anything out of the team or haven't heard anything out of him as to why he didn't touch 99 or even 100. Personally, I'm not too concerned about what his numbers looked like. Uh, I think he put on enough of a performance in spring training to where we understand what he has the potential to do. And we saw him hit 98 in both his first inning and his last inning. So he was comfortably sitting between 95 to 98. But again, a guy marketed as uh, hitting 100 pretty easily. We saw him do it in spring training multiple times. So not sure necessarily what's going on there. But when you look at what happens results-wise, we saw him give up a big three-run home run to Mitch Moreland on a fastball that was just just about waist height, maybe a little below, right in the center of the zone at 94. And I think that's not the pitch you're going to get away with at 94 to a power hitter. But if he had his velo up, 98-99, you get away with a few of those mistakes. So, And even to J.D. Martinez, he had a, a fastball up, right at the top of the zone at the letters at 95, and Martinez hit it hard the other way. So not sure necessarily if that's uh, potentially something to watch, what his velocity is going to look like, but when we're talking about a complete pitcher and, and getting an establishment, getting a feel of what he's offering, his slider looked good. I liked his slider a lot. Had a lot of drop to it, 
and his changeup, I think, was his best pitch last night. Yeah, his changeup was a little interesting last night. I don't know if it's a, a conventional changeup or what was happening, if it slipped out of the hand, but at times it almost moved like a two-seamer. Uh, his uh, changeup will sit around 88 to 90, and he threw one that cut down and away from a left-handed batter, which I thought was really, really strange because we saw a pitch that went about the same speed that had solely downward movement. It's very interesting from a guy who throws that hard that he's got that much power to almost maybe, I guess, turn a changeup into a two-seamer, or maybe it slipped. I'm not sure. Either way, he had, I think, two or three strikeouts on the changeup. He was using that as an out pitch as well as the fastball. And I like what I saw in terms of mixing, because usually when you see a power pitcher come up, they don't necessarily have the changeup. I think that's one of the more common problems you'll see and why a lot of fireballers just become relievers, working fastball slider. I mean, look at the Jays, Jordan Romano, an example of that. He dropped his changeup because he couldn't get it working, and... Now he's just fastball slider, throwing a little harder. He looks good. But yeah, Pearson said after the game that, quote, I didn't have the best outing today, but I showed them what I can do through all of spring training. Then he went on to say, I felt like I put myself in the best position I can to make this team. And whether they say I made it or not, I'm going to still work as hard as I do. I was initially sold that he would be on the initial roster based on what he did in spring training, but hit around a little bit in Boston, velocity down a little bit. I think maybe after seeing Gavin Lux get sent down, there's a chance the Jays follow suit here. I mean, if you thought Gavin Lux was a lock, then I don't know how you can think Nate Pearson's a lock. I, yeah. And especially if they're not confident that he's going to have a solid spot in the rotation, like if they're not sure that he's going to be the number five starter and that you're going to get at least nine games out of him, I would say. I don't think there's a point in burning a year of service time on a guy that's as valuable as Nate Pearson is going to be as his career evolves. Well, and the thing with Gavin Lux is that they sent him down because they've got Chris Taylor and Kike Hernandez, and that's very clear, and that's a that's fair argument. You look at the Jays, so they signed three, they acquire, I guess I should say, three veteran pitchers that are going to be in this rotation. Ryu's going to be in it, Chase Anderson's going to be in it, and Tanner Roark's going to be in it. And they've already announced Shoemaker's their number two guy, which makes sense. So that's four spots out of five taken right away. You look at last season, I think you can say Jacob Wagsback deserved a look. You could say Trent Thornton definitely deserved a look, and he's probably going to be the number five. So there's your whole rotation. Then you've got Ryan Barucki, who I want in the rotation. He looked really good in 2018. You've got Anthony Kay. You've got a whole bunch of other guys, Julian Merriweather. You've got Sean Reed Foley. You've got all these guys that are heads, potentially, of Nate Pearson. So I think there's a pretty clear path to having him start as a secondary camp guy. I don't know. That's that's going to be something to watch, though. We'll, we'll let you know if there's any developments on that front. But a couple other interesting games around the league last night. I'd mentioned that Trevor Bauer was slated to start against Detroit, and turns out that top prospect Nick Lodolo actually got the start and didn't have too great a night. He ran into a little bit of trouble in the first inning, giving up a pair of singles, but eventually got out of it. But it was the second inning where everything really fell off the tracks, giving up five earns, a total of eight hits between the two innings, and couldn't even get out of the second. Been interesting in that game, we saw back-to-back-to-back home runs in the second inning from Jacoby Jones, Nico Goodrum, and Jonathan Scope. But that's not the only place we saw back-to-back-to-back home runs. 
flash us over to Miami and Atlanta. Atlanta takes it 10 to 9, but we saw back to back to back home runs, as I mentioned, on just three pitches. Wow. From the Miami Marlins, Jorge Alfaro, Miguel Rojas, and Jonathan VR. Not exactly prominent power guys. Really interesting that they all went up there with the same idea to just cut on the first pitch and decided to launch back to back to back home runs. We did mention that Matt Adams, uh, as the the Braves have looked around for some options, Derek Dietrich emerging is one of them, possibly. Uh, they signed him to a minor league deal. He ended up hitting a walk-off home run. So, Welcome to camp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, man, how's it going? Here's your jersey in. Oh, that ball's gone. Definitely an interesting shout for Matt Adams to really have an outside chance here at making this Braves team at some point in the season. Well, and that game was won by the Braves. But after you mentioned back-to-back-to-back-home runs by the Marlins, they were really hitting. They went up 8-1. By the top of the 8th, they didn't have much time left, but the Braves put up an 8-spot in the bottom of the 8th, and this walk-off home run by Matt Adams capped off a 10-9 win. So, exhibition baseball, we've seen a whole lot of high-scoring games with pitchers changing all over the place. Silly season, baby. But yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. You, you can't say it hasn't been. And we've got a whole new slate of games tonight to add on to that fun nine games, and seven of them are interleague games. I I don't know if there's a real trend there or or the reasoning behind that, but one of them is going to be one I've got my eye on tonight. It's going to be Colorado visiting Texas. Now, we saw this matchup last night, and I was unable to watch it. But I want to see how this new park plays, because they had the first game in globe life field last night and colorado took it five to one but that was the first game from the field i'm gonna try and tune in tonight to see how it looks uh how about you what what do you think this ballpark's definitely interesting uh off the broadcast we were talking about just the fact that they may be trying to be as anti-cookie cutter as they possibly could be uh, with the field dimensions some very strange zigzags that you see out in center field and uh, as well in the left field given where the dugouts are um, this park has gotten a little bit of a flack on Twitter. Uh, I've seen it compared to Grillmasters. <laughs> I've seen comparisons between, you know, what you order online versus when it actually arrives. Uh, I've seen uh, the Society If X wasn't invented memes. The internet's kind of running wild with this thing. And personally, I don't think the ballpark looks too bad. I'm all for new ballparks around the league. I just think that it's a little strange that so many of the mock-ups we saw had uh, large glass components in Texas, and we obviously haven't seen as much glass uh, implemented in the pictures that we've seen from the ballpark that we've been provided. Uh, Maybe that's because of the heat. Uh, Obviously, they moved to a new park to try to get out of the Texas heat because it was almost killing the players to be out in 100-degree weather for nine innings of baseball during the day, so definitely a welcome change there for the players, but Uh, I'm interested to see how the park actually plays and not just how it looks. Yeah, I'm not sure I love the outfield dimensions. Again, I have to give the chance, see how a game looks in it. But like you said, it just seemed like they were getting a little weird and unorthodox just for the sake of getting unorthodox. There's a whole bunch of juts and corners and... I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. The big hunk of metal on the roof. I think it might actually look nicer when it's open, but we'll see. That's the game I'll be watching tonight. There's eight other games you can feel free to check out. But 
We actually have baseball to preview tomorrow. As I mentioned, we have the Yankees and Nets game. We've got the Giants and Dodgers games happening tomorrow night. So come back here tomorrow morning. We'll get you all set up for both of those. And that'll do it for us today. You can find us on Twitter at TripMorning. You can find us on Instagram at MorningRoundTrip. And we'll be right back here tomorrow for Drew Frank and Liam Crothers. Have a great day, everyone.